You are listening to Pandora's Box Radio with Kalia LaRoche. For more information about my products and services, counseling, coaching, hypnotherapy, books, and audios, please visit NarcissismFree.com or PathBackToSelf.com. Hello and welcome to Pandora's Box. This is Kalia and today we're going to talk about living in a fantasy. A lot of my ideas for my podcast come from my sessions and the things people write to me about. Since I'm very active working in the field of narcissistic abuse, toxic relationships, self-love, and love issues in general, I can't help but notice how much fantasy has become a part of our lives, especially for those of us who are seduced by the promise of love and pulled into a fantasy relationship that has nothing to do with reality. In order to understand how this happens, we need to travel back in time to our childhood. Children are naturally creatures of fantasy. Children's stories and television shows, children's movies are steeped in fantasy. We grow up with vivid imaginations, with imaginary friends, and stories of happily ever after. Although the process of adulting or leaving childhood and becoming adults should also be our exit from the fantasy world of childhood into the real world of adult responsibilities, it doesn't always work that way. When we grow up in dysfunctional, neglectful, or abusive childhood environments, we may find ourselves staying a child in many ways. The fantasy world is how we have learned to cope and to survive. We dream of a better life. Or we dream of a time where mommy and or daddy is someone who truly loves us and cares about us, especially if we had parents who we didn't feel loved or cared for. As girls, we may grow up dreaming that the knight in white shining armor will come riding up on his white horse and take us away from our painful life, rescuing us and offering us the love we've long dreamed of having. Boys may dream of the ideal woman who will not only fulfill all of their sexual desires, but also be the mother that they never had. Either way, if we're stuck in childhood fantasies, we're setting ourselves up for disappointment. The real world doesn't work this way. We won't be rescued. And there's no such thing as perfect love. Leaving our childhood fantasy life for real world reality can be painful in itself. Fantasy is a lot more fun because we can create our world as we imagine it to be, not as it really is. But this is an escape from reality, and we become avoidant of real-world relationships, issues, and concerns. 
As children, we all go through a narcissistic phase where it's all about me. Life revolves around me and my needs. And this phase typically ends as we enter our school years after the age of six. We begin to think of others and learn compassion and empathy. However, empathy needs to be taught on so many levels. We need to learn that we aren't the center of the universe, and we need to imagine what it might be like for the other. If we don't learn the ways of right and wrong and consider how our behavior might be hurtful to another, we will continue to remain stuck in our narcissistic childhood phase with little hope of ever really growing up. One of the narcissistic characteristics is fantasies of ideal love. This means narcissistic people are stuck emotionally at around the age of five or six. They never grow out of the narcissistic phase where they learn to develop empathy and see the world in more realistic ways. Fantasies of ideal love suggest that we are still waiting for our prince or princess to rescue us. Not only will they rescue us, but they will give us whatever we want, need, and desire. They will never disappoint us, and we will always be happy with them. But narcissistic people are not the only people who get stuck in childhood fantasies. Women with strong codependent traits can also get emotionally stuck and develop unrealistic ideals around love and romance. Those of us who grow up on fairy tales and fantasy movies come to believe that there's a prince out there for us who will ride in and carry us away from whatever it is we wish to escape from. This might be our own boredom, a job that we hate, a family that's unkind to us, a town or a house we're miserable in, a poor financial situation, and a number of other things. People with addictions are also ripe for the fantasy escape. They've already learned to escape through substances or addictive activities. Sex and love addiction is very common in today's world. Our society itself has become very rooted in escapism. And this is because we have not only lost our values, but our sense of purpose and connection. Our lack of connection drives us to find substitutes for true connection with others. Fantasies of ideal love, sex, and romantic love become empty substitutes for truly loving relationships and connections with others. If you are someone who has found yourself attracted to narcissists and seduced by what we call love bombing behavior, you are likely also wooed by fantasy and the quest for perfect love. When we find ourselves searching for our soulmate, our twin flame, or the one, we're seeking out someone who is perfect for us, someone who we feel that deep, soulful connection with, who we feel one with, 
who would never leave us because we are destined to be together. But this is all part of the fantasy. It is all part of the belief we have one true love who will rescue us from our loneliness, our emptiness, our feelings of disconnection, our boring lives, our dissatisfaction with the life that we are living, and our desire to merge our lives with another who truly gets us, understands us, sees us, values us, and who would always be there for us. In this fantasy, we're happy, always happy and fulfilled. I know in many ways I'm repeating myself here because I've talked about this before, but it continues to be an issue. And there's always more to say about this. So I will continue. In our fantasy lives, we assign our fulfillment to something or someone outside of us. We never really learn that the love we find outside of ourselves is a mirror for the love we've cultivated within us. We never really learn that the success we have in the world out there is a mirror for the success we cultivate within us. Everything out there mirrors what is happening within So if we are waiting to be rescued from our feelings of lack, inadequacy, pain, trauma, feeling that we're not enough, that we're not lovable, that we're not worthy, and not capable of success, we surely won't find these things outside of ourselves. We will continue to attract people and circumstances into our lives who mirror to us how we really feel about ourselves on the inside. The love bombing stage in a relationship is the stage where we project our unhealed wounds upon the other, who resonate with our wounds on a deep soul level because they too are carrying a similar unhealed trauma, unhealed wounds. In the beginning, there's hope that the other will save us, will rescue us and heal our wounds for us by making us whole. So there's a deep connection coming from this fantasy of salvation. We enter a shared rescue fantasy with the other, and it can be very intense in the beginning. It's also very unconscious. We aren't aware of the inner subconscious workings. But because we can't truly save another from themselves, it's only a matter of time before those deep unconscious wounds surface and the projections go from light to dark. Soon we're triggering each other's wounds and projecting them onto each other in a way that is shaming and wounds us even deeper. This is where the trauma bond is formed, that we are two wounded people who have found a bond in not only our fantasies that we can be rescued from our deep pain, loneliness, and feelings of inadequacy, but also find ourselves in a reenactment 
of our childhood traumas. Narcissist and borderline personalities, to name a few, are very deeply wounded personalities who feel misunderstood and have developed a belief that if they could be understood by another, they would be loved and accepted, regardless of their atrocious, vile behavior. They seek that unconditional love that will love and accept them even if they're abusive to their partner, even if they're cruel, uncaring, have no empathy, and are constantly undermining and raging at their partner. In their mind, true love would accept them regardless of what they do, regardless of their bad behavior. Now, codependents are easily led to feel guilty and can be manipulated by being told their love is conditional, that they don't really care, and even being accused of doing all the things their partner is doing to them. This causes a codependent personality to try harder to please because in the mind of the codependent, they can only be loved if they are pleasing. They feel they must always be kind, loving, and caring without ever showing any other qualities, such as anger, disappointment, insecurity, neediness, or anything they might judge as being negative, or that others might judge in them as being negative. The codependent may end up feeling if she can just do enough and be enough, she'll be able to get back to that initial love-bombing stage or phase with her partner where she felt so loved, accepted, and connected. The narcissists are disappointed because their partner failed to rescue them from their painful feelings. They may have had a reprieve during the initial stages where all their hopes of ideal love were projected onto the other. But the longer they're with their new love, the more human they become and the more disappointed they become. It becomes the partner's fault that the narcissistic person is feeling anything painful or uncomfortable. It was their job to heal them and make all of that go away, and they failed. Therefore, they're deserving of the abuse that they are inflicting upon their partner. They should be punished for failing them. See how that works? And this is a no-win situation. We can't ever get back to the love bombing stage for more than a few moments because those feelings of disappointment permeate the relationship and suddenly the partner is being demonized. He or she has fallen from grace and there's no way to really get back up on that pedestal. The narcissist begins to transfer his or her fantasy of ideal love and the hope to be rescued onto another person who still holds holds the hope and the promise of transforming their dark reality. The codependent feels completely betrayed, devalued, unloved, uncared for. And all those childhood wounds that were supposed to be healed in this relationship 
but are fully activated and taking over. The codependent ends up feeling empty, depressed, and very alone. Her ideal love has become a nightmare, and now her beloved is entertaining a new relationship, adding fuel to the already raging fire. Where the narcissistic person transfers his quest for ideal love onto another and keeps going, the codependent is often taken out of the game altogether, reeling in the worst pain and darkness he or she has ever experienced, with a deep betrayal wound permeating the psyche. All hope is destroyed for ever being loved or cared for. Someone in this position is not likely to get involved in another relationship for quite some time. There's been so much damage, and it is a very slow repair. If this sounds like you, it's important to understand the fantasy piece. It isn't that the relationship started out real and then became a charade. It was always a fantasy from the very beginning. The term love bombing is a well-known term regarding narcissists, but those who seek out ideal love, looking for that perfect match, that great fit, the one, is an ideal target for love bombing. We both enter into this agreement. It's an agreement between two people. And we're both unconscious of what we're entering into. We're unconscious of the contract. We also need to grow up and find a new level of emotional maturity that allows us to consider a more mature match not just someone who feeds our love-hungry ego. A more mature match won't come on so strong and so fast. This is usually one of the biggest signs that something isn't right. When the chemistry is so strong and intense, it's most often a sign of a trauma bond connection coming together. A healthier relationship is one where you take your time to get to know each other. It's more realistic. It isn't something that you fall into. If it's a healthy match, the other person will be solid enough in himself or herself that he or she can stand strong on his or her own two feet and aren't looking for somebody to rescue them. There won't be a desperate need to be in a relationship. They won't likely be just coming out of a relationship, but have had some time to grieve and recover since the last relationship and integrate the lessons. When love bombing is present, you are likely to feel rushed. Professions of love are made early, often within the first couple of weeks in the relationship. Sex may happen early before you've had time to really get to know that person. The relationship is fast-tracked and has an almost desperate quality to it. You may get a ton of text messages and feel that this person's giving you so much love and attention. Although that attention may feel good and you may be hungry for the attention, it's reasonable to ask the question, what was their life like? before meeting me. When someone invests all of their time and attention into a new relationship, 
they're often not balanced and they don't show signs of having a well-integrated, balanced life, complete with friends, outside interest, and a desire for solitude. In a love bombing situation, the prospective partner may also rush to introduce you to family members and children and expect the same from you. This means if they want to see you, they will tell you or invite you to get together. I've noticed in working with clients that narcissistic or toxic partners tend to play a lot of guessing games, leaving you wondering where you stand, what their intentions are, if they're interested in other people, or how they feel about you. Although it's normal to have several dates with someone before they express a desire to spend more time with you, you should get a sense of where they stand within the first couple months at most. Are they interested in moving forward? Are they interested in getting to know you better? Are they interested in being exclusive? In toxic relationship beginnings, you're likely to experience either an over-the-top love bombing where you feel the prospective partner is head over heels for you and wouldn't dream of hurting you or leaving you hanging, or they are aloof and distant, leaving you wondering where they stand, if they're interested in you, if they're interested in a committed relationship, etc. Either are not good. Both are red flags. Some of my clients tell me there was no love bombing in the beginning of their relationship. They experienced more of the aloof, distant, non-committal beginning, where the partner is likely seeing other people and contact you when it's convenient or they don't have anyone else. You may have been put in the supply chain, but not be a primary supply pursuit. And if that primary burns out or falls away, you may be moved up into first position and notice an increase in interest and contact. We can't always know exactly what we're getting until we've done our due diligence and spend some time learning about a person. You may want to write down the things that are important for you to know and be sure to find out the answers to all your questions before you commit. Here are a few important questions. Are you single? How long ago was your last relationship? Why did it end? What did you learn from that relationship? Do you have children? Do you want children? What are you looking for in a relationship? What do you feel gets in your way of having the relationship you want? What is your living situation? Does that person have their own home, live alone, have roommates, live with their mother, or live with an ex-spouse? You might also want to know about their sexual beliefs. Do you desire a monogamous relationship, or are you polyamorous? How important is sex in your life? How often do you desire sex when you're in a relationship? People who want sex on a daily basis are either in their 20s or they likely have a sex addiction. 
Now, in order to have a healthy relationship with another, you also need to bring your healthiest, best self to the relationship. So you need to know yourself well enough to be able to answer all the questions you ask of the other. You also need to be sure you have healed enough from your past relationship where it's not going to get in your way, cause trust issues or insecurity that's still lingering from your past. Do an honest inventory and see if you're still fantasizing about the ideal mate or if you're ready to be realistic about finding a life partner. Are you still vulnerable to the love bomb? Are you afraid to be alone? Is your life stable on all levels, emotionally, financially, physically, and mentally? We need to learn to be the one that we hope to attract. We are the one that we've been waiting for. So write your list of the qualities you want in a romantic partner and then hold yourself up against your own list. This will tell you where you need to grow. You may be someone who's not financially stable but for looking for a partner who is. It's not fair to put your financial instability onto a new partner. So it's best that you work on healing your own financial issues before getting into a relationship. If you want a healthy, fit partner, ask yourself if you are healthy and fit. If not, work on it. If you want a good communicator, ask yourself if you are a good communicator. If not, work on developing your communication skills. If you're looking for someone who is emotionally available, do an honest inventory to be sure that you're emotionally available. If you have children who are not stable as a result of your own instability or a recent divorce, focus first on getting your children to a place where they feel strong. Remember, we tend to bring into our lives people who mirror to us where we are either consciously or unconsciously. So getting ourselves to a healthy, healed place is the first order of business. We can't look for a partner to fill our inner emptiness or loneliness. We need to confront these things within ourselves. Once we're truly solid in ourselves, we're ready to consider dating, but not a moment before. Otherwise, you will likely attract someone who will show you exactly where you are. If you are insecure, fearful, unhappy, needy, or jealous, you will either attract someone who is these things or who really bring these things within you to the surface. Most of all, remember that fantasy relationships crumble. The fantasy turns into reality at some point, and what you believed to be true is not true at all. So don't put your faith in the fantasy. Put it in reality. I want to thank you for listening today, and if you'd like to know more about me and my work, please visit my websites at NarcissismFree.com or PathBackToSelf.com.
Com. You can also purchase my book, The Path to Self-Love, by going to Amazon and just seeking my name, Kaylee LaRoche, and the, the title, The Path to Self-Love. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next podcast.